0: Gracious and holy God, may our hearts truly be turned to you that we might hear what your spirit has to say to us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. The scripture passage today comes from the Gospel of John chapter four, uh, beginning with verse five. Listen for the word of the Lord. So Jesus came to a Samaritan city, called Sichar near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. The one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where the people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, we he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am the one who is speaking to you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, <clears throat> I think part of what we seek in life is to have a sense of peace. Um, I was told long ago that uh, as, uh, as people get older, uh, things start to fade from memory, unless you really put it in, in deep memory, uh, and, and so I have been um, memorizing poetry for years. Uh, so, that as things start to fade, hopefully something will bubble up at that time. One of those poems that I have uh, found a sense of peace with every time I say it is uh, The Lake Isle of Innisfree by William Butler Yeats. Uh, and, and I learned this uh, poem by listening to a recording of Anthony Hopkins, so, you know, excuse me if a little Hopkins comes through on this, but. <clears throat> the Lake Isle of Innisfree. I shall arise and go now, and go to Innisfree, and a small cabin build there of clay and wattle's made. Nine bean rows I shall have there, and a hive for the honey bee, and live alone in the bee-loud glade. And I shall have some peace there, for peace comes dropping slow, dropping from the vales of morn to when the cricket sings. There, Midnight's all a glimmer, noon's a purple glow, and the evening filled with the sound of linnet wings. I shall arise and go now, for always, night and day, I hear lake water lapping lowly at the shore. While I stand on the roadway or pavement gray, I hear it deep in the heart's core. The lake isle of Innisfree. That sense of dropping, lake water lapping, it just gives me a sense of peace every time I say it. Now I don't know that Jesus found a sense of peace when he arrived at this place at this time in Samaria because You know, we all know there's places in in different cities where where one group does not feel welcomed by the other group, right? We all know the rules in these places, where to drive, where to walk, when to walk, how to walk, where to sit, how to dress, how much money to carry. I know uh, in the south side of Chicago that we were told always carry at least $20 because when you get mugged, you don't want to disappoint your mugger. (laughs) There's rules, there's rules in every place you go, well, who's welcome, where and when. It's an us versus them world where there is a lot of, of places where people do not feel comfortable. That's the kind of world that Jesus was entering into when he came to Samaria. He's on a journey, a journey from Jerusalem, which, which the Jews said was a spiritual center. And now he's, in, uh, he's going home to Galilee. The most direct route is through Samaria. He's on the road, but he's in hostile territory when it says he came to where the Samaritans were. Hostile territory. And it had been for 700 years. Because 700 years ago in this place that it used to be all the one people, there were these invaders. The Assyrians came and hauled off some people and intermarried with others. And all of a sudden, this group of, of, of what used to be the home team now is, is, considered, uh, is, is considered hostile, different, not us. Uh, There's a religious divide, a social and political divide. A level of conflict has been simmering there for 700 years. In the last 200 years it had flared up and now Jesus walks straight into this minefield, this hostile territory and sits down by a well by himself and waits. And you can hear in the woman's tone of voice when she's talking with him, she is not happy to see him there. Hauling water out of a well was woman's work. He asks her to do it, but, but he's in essence asking her to give that to one of her enemies, one of them, one of those people. He knows the rules of the road, he knows the rules of the place, and yet, and yet, he makes that request. And, and, and in so doing, what is he really doing to this woman, this Samaritan? He's saying, take these 700 years of animosity and, and let, let it go. What, what's, what's that line out of that Disney let play? Let go. What was let it? Go. Again? Let it go, let it go. Let it go that the rule that a man does not recognize the the dignity of a woman. Let it go, let it go. Let it go that a Jew did not talk with a Samaritan. Let it go, let it go. Let it go that an enemy did not admit his need, his thirst to an enemy and begin to turn that enemy into a friend, what do you do? Let it go, let it go. See, Jesus is an instigator for letting things go. 700 years of animosity, and he says, let it go. The woman, she struggles with this. She keeps on coming back to the old categories, the old way of thinking, the old way of relating. And Jesus says, "Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God who's, who's saying this to you, you would have done this and you would have asked for, for living water, a water that springs up from within you, this gift of God that's given to you. The woman hears, but she continues to struggle She only hears it on a surface level. And Jesus keeps on talking to her, keeps on talking to her, says, go and get your husband. She says, I have no husband. He knows who she is. She has five husbands. She's on her sixth, And it makes you wonder what had happened to this woman that she'd had five or six husbands. Had there been a war and they'd been taken out one by one? Or had they been unfaithful to her? or had she been unfaithful to them? Had she been used, had she been abused? We don't know, but somehow Jesus knew her. Jesus knew her in a way not to, not to ignore her, use her, judge her, manipulate her, berate her, castigate her, or insult her. He knows her to let her know that she's valued. What's it like to be truly known by someone? to be paid attention to, someone who shows you understanding and appreciates you, who values you and wants to come together with you and make connection, communion, community. It's a religious experience, isn't it, to know and to be known? The woman goes right to the religious question about Samaria versus, and the well versus, uh, versus uh, Jerusalem and, uh, and Jesus says, let it go. All these old categories, all these rationales that you have to divide yourselves, let it go and let God transcend every difference. Let God build bridges over every divide because God is spirit and God is on the move. The woman says, surely one day the Messiah will come and Jesus says, I am. When he says I am, He's he's hearkening back to that time of Moses when when God speaks to him at the burning bush and and, and Moses asks God's name and God says, I am, which also means I will be. I will be what I will be, I will cause to be. The whole sense of God is this God on the move, this God who won't be captured, God who won't be put into categories, God who keeps on giving life in all its fullness and it begins to dawn on this woman. The rest of the story is she ends up running back home, she leaves her water jug behind, she runs back home and starts talking with other people because she's starting to understand what it means to let it go and to enter into this new world the spiritual presence of God begins to flow to this woman and through this woman. And and the rest of the story says there's people in her town who have hated for 700 years, and all of a sudden they start to change because they feel that dynamic movement of God that's bringing them together. She washes them with her water, the water of Christ that has come to her, that has bubbled up in her, and they begin to feel noticed and valued and accepted and forgiven and healed. And the bridges are, the divisions are bridged and the animosities are forgiven, and the old ways of thinking are transcended in the new creation that is bubbling up from this life of Jesus. So this passage comes to us in Lent And it invites us to ask, what are the divisions that are coming to define our lives or that have defined our lives? This passage says, be careful of the divisions you create and that you honor because they can last for 700 years or more. There's a spirit of division that tempts us and threatens our world. We know those divisions all over the place. The us versus them world. And it can come in all sorts of ways from regions or ethnic groups or religious groups or political parties. And there's a long history in the world of how people can be divided. And Jesus gives to us this living water that washes over us to, to, to give us that new creation. That new creation that God intends for us. No, you know, I, <clears throat> I uh, have come to believe from my experience in, in life and, and where I've lived that if people are truly uh, good and kind uh, and, and practice all those virtues in, in life, that, that someday God will truly bless them and let them go to Nebraska. <laughs> nice people there. <clears throat> When you go to Nebraska, you're nice people, so I'm, I'm trusting that someday you're going to go to Nebraska. And when you go, take Interstate 80, you go through Omaha, and on the other side of Omaha, uh, about 20 miles, there is this big valley that opens up. And I mean, you can see for miles from the interstate driving past, it's just a beautiful vista, but I don't want you to look there. I want you to look on the other side, up on the hill. And what you'll see there, when you first glance at it, you're going to think it's a, a, a Corn crib that the, that the wind has knocked the sides off of, and but then you look again and and you realize that it's not a corn crib, it's a it's a church with glass walls. You can see inside the church from from that spot. But I want you to get off the interstate and and drive to that chapel, it's, it's worth your time. It's, there's nothing else quite like it. When you get there, you want to go into the chapel but you can't get there, you, 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 you'll see that there's a, a hillside, a little, little hill, and at the bottom of the hill, the path leads up to a door. It looks like a door to a mausoleum, or to a crypt, to a tomb. You walk in that door you walk in that door into the darkness of this tomb-like room, and you see that there's a, a circle in the sky, a skylight, and down from the, the sky, there is, this, there is this twisty metal piece that, that is dripping with water. And the water never stops dripping down into this fountain. And the fountain is in the floor right on the floor, and, and, and as it fills up, the water starts to flow, and it flows uh, in a little stream out another door, and you follow the stream, and you go outside. You're going outside into what looks like a rocky path, but the rocky path has been hewn in two by this water. And, uh, and, and there's one point where there's a little bridge over, it looks like the rock has come over it, but the, from that it looks like the water flows straight out of solid rock, and the water keeps flowing downhill, and it flows downhill into the church. And as you go in the church, you sit in the, in the pews and uh, you sit in the pews and, and, and you can see all around the, the world outside from inside this, this church. But you hear water flowing no matter where you are in this chapel. The water is flowing and you look down in the floor and there's holes in the floor and you can see the water, the stream of water is flowing right past you. Through the whole church, you can see it, you can hear it. The water flows all the way up to the front of the church, and there, in the front of the church, there's uh, there's there's the chancel. But the chancel uh, appears to be floating. It's it's floating above what is this giant pool of water, and and you begin to realize that that what you have seen architecturally is an expression of all these biblical stories. That in the tomb of Jesus, it is his baptism. Baptism that happens in death. And he goes under the waves and he's risen again. That's what baptism is. His baptism is complete in his death and resurrection, as ours is complete, because we have been buried with Christ and we rise with him. That's what we say in baptism. And that pool is, is about this fountain, uh, like the prophets who cry for justice to flow like waters and righteousness like a never-ending fountain, and, and it flows out and and... <clears throat> You're flowing like the, the people of Israel in the exile in that rocky place. And in the exile, they step over the water and into the promised land. And that's our story. And that's Jesus' story. And this woman's story, when she's brought home to a, a home that she thought she knew, but she's home again for the first time. And and that water, that rock in the middle that, where the water seems to flow out of it, that's Moses' story. That Moses in, in the wilderness, when the people were grumbling, when the people were grumbling that they didn't have enough to drink and Moses takes his staff and hits the rock and water gushes forth from the rock and and the water that comes to the church and all of the people are the water people Uh, the the people in the church are the water people and 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 finally up front that that image from the book of Revelation uh, that the the consummation of, of God is is this crystal sea Ah, the water stories. Jesus brings to this woman this story of of the water of life, the living waters, the water of life that, that, that will bubble up eternally in her. But that's not just her story, that's our story. That we're the water people. We've been given these stories, we've been given this life from Christ to wash away everything that would divide us. It's Lent. What would divide you? What divides the world as you know it? And how is Christ coming to you with words of hope that let us wash away all the past, that that helps us to let it go, to let it go, to let it go and let Christ give us a new beginning. Think about how Christ is bringing us this new creation. I keep on coming back to Yeats' poem <clears throat> because I, 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 wanna, I, I wanna live in that place where, where the lake water's lapping lowly at the shore and I hear it deep in the heart's core. And that's what Christ does for us, gives us this water that no matter what's going on in the world to divide us, the peace of Christ comes to us, the message of Christ that keeps lapping in our lives and and, and deep in the heart's core we hear of this peace. May we in this Lenten season practice the peace of Christ, the new creation that Christ gives to us, that we might experience and be those water people that Christ calls us to be, that Christ calls us to be, that we might live into that new creation. Amen.